Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. I apologize we did not have an episode last week. Things have been a little bit crazy around here, both with family, with work, and of course with Andor coming out, which we're doing episode by episode coverage on over on Star Wars Universe Podcast. So I apologize. I think we're going to be able to keep an episode a week going, but it might be a little bit all over the place for the next couple of weeks, but we'll do the best we can. But today we have an episode that we've only been planning to do for about three months, um, or actually even longer. You all know Will Freeland and Steve Storman, uh, who are two fantastic comics guys. They're both on, they are the two hosts of The Hype is My Superpower podcast, where they talk about comics. And we've had a lot of fun getting them on to talk about some of these MCU shows and how they are showing up uh, in comics versus on screen. What's the difference? What's the same? We're calling it Marvel on page and on screen. Moon Knight finished, and we were all super excited to record on Moon Knight for that topic, and then scheduling happened, and then we realized we hadn't scheduled anything till the end of Miss Marvel, and thought, oh, well, okay, now we should do it for both of them, and we are finally doing that episode for Ms. Marvel and Moon Knight today. So, a little late, but hopefully it's giving you time to kind of think about those things more, and we'll be getting on all the questions about, you know, what happened in the comics, what happened in TV, how did the TVs represent what happened in the comics, and as always here, this is an ethics podcast, we're not going to talk about it in terms of, like, what the costumes look like necessarily, but more just in terms of, like, what are the questions that they're addressing in the comics, how do they address them on screen, and what's similar, what's the difference, and what do we think of the changes? All that and more after a commercial break that will be shorter than this intro, but I do have it, not have any control over. Welcome back. I am Matty Matt Matthew, the fox, the box, the hawks, and I am so happy to be here with Paul, who's going to give a similar introduction. I am Matthew, they, them pronouns, passing it over to Paul. Yeah, I'm, I'm Zen Madman. What's up? The wow. Hoppin' Man, Hoppy, Hoppinator. That, that's, that's not what we do. By we, I'm using the royal we. Clearly, that's what the you part of a we does. I, I apparently had a more sugar in my cereal than I thought this morning. We're a little hyped up. All right, so yeah. Paul is here. Matthew Makes is here. sense with hype is my superpower on. Well, that's you know, true. I am that's hyped. True. I'm um, not the one here to bring hype. Let's uh, turn it over to the, to the hype ones. All right, which one is high and which one is puh? Well, I guess I'm high. <laughs> well, well, Steve's taller. He's the high. Okay. I'm, I'm just the... P- That's true. Uh, my name's Steve Storman. Uh, I'm co-host of Hype is My Superpower. And uh, yeah, my pronouns are he and him. And his and himself, I believe strongly in ending uh, reflexive and possessive uh, erasure. No. Much appreciated. <laughs> um, well, I mean... I'm Will Freeland. I am the other half of Hype is My Superpower. And uh, he, he, him, uh, all that stuff. I'm really bad at. Grammar. <laughs> yeah. Grammar is not our forte. And that's perfectly okay. All right. So Grammar is not our superpower. <laughs> Overall, let me just kind of start here. Um, we've now had two of those shows. We had, uh, Just to acknowledge, we know She-Hulk has come out. There's so much talk being had about it right now, and I'm actually going to be recording an episode on She-Hulk tomorrow, which may come out before or after this episode. I'm not sure yet. But um, So we're not going to be talking about She-Hulk as much today. We know it's happened, but just because there's so much about it already. Uh, but, but looking at like Marvel and Moon Knight and some of the other stuff, just in general, where are you right now in terms of how you feel about what the MCU is doing with the comics that you love so much? Um. I'm having a great time with it, honestly. Um, avoiding the subject of She-Hulk, which I also enjoyed. Miss um, Marvel was a really fun, innocent refresher, I feel like, of just like a new perspective on the MCU of having just an innocent fangirl that like can, that who we get introduced to somebody who actually idolizes a known hero that um isn't just a throwaway somebody's uh downstairs neighbor character um and we get to really kind of explore how does somebody act uh when they are inspired by an a, another hero that we've already met so that's been a lot of fun and then you have <laughs> just the the mind game insanity that is moon knight um who is routinely either my third or fourth favorite superhero in the Marvel comics. Um, and 
he's just it's another he brings another like aspect or another perspective on how to be a superhero or what is a superhero in this world and and I feel like with these Disney Plus shows in general they're able they've been able to um show other ways to be a hero um or to be like a powered individual in the MCU it's not like if everyone gets introduced in a movie that has to be flashy in Hollywood and blockbuster it's it's going to start to feel kind of cookie cutter and so with these um street borderline street level or at least like smaller scale heroes showing how they can fit in the world but also tell a heartfelt uh or personal story and still be a powered individual that wants to do some good in the world uh it's just expanding the realm of superheroism and i'm just having such a good time watching it all happen that was really long i apologize <laughs> uh for me I'm 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 pretty stoked. I I think each individual show has been good. I've enjoyed, uh, it, it, with the exception of maybe Falcon the Winter Soldier. I, I've appreciated all you know, enjoyed all the Disney Plus shows. Um, but I have to say, uh, as I was doing the, you know, kind of like composing my thoughts about Ms. Marvel, I realized I'm kind of concerned that they're just blowing through so many concepts so quickly. And I'm worried that they're kind of like setting them up to throw away. Um, I think part of the idea of comics is that everybody has these long, long continuities and, and everything just goes and goes and goes and goes. And so you get some serialized storytelling and character development that necessarily takes a long time to accomplish. And um, part of me wishes that, you know, we might have gotten this Moon Knight series like three years from now and instead we get we would get a second season of you know hawkeye or she hulk or uh i guess loki's getting a second season but like let's let's take our time and and develop some some concepts but besides that i'm really enjoying what they're actually putting out Mm -hmm. yeah i i i can agree with that like it, it sometimes Marvel feels like it's the we're drinking from a fire hose kind of idea, you know, where there's just so much content coming out. Yeah, we've got um, 80 years of IP to catch up on, and we want to capitalize on all of it before the fad ends or something, instead of just, yeah. like, chill. <laughs> now, Paul, am I right? These are uh, Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel are not characters you knew from comics? Uh, that's correct. I mean, I was... Moon Knight, I had, like, no idea about. I just knew that a lot of people were really excited to see Moon Knight, and I got to see it with just, like, a totally clean slate. Like, all right, what do we got here? You know, which was super fun. Um, Ms. Marvel, I was aware of the character, mostly from listening to Hype is My Superpower, actually. <laughs> there were a oh, bunch man. of episodes talking about her. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, I want to see this character on screen. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the portrayals of both. Um, the I, I feel like structure Surely every Disney Plus show has had some, I've had some gripes with them, you know, to varying degrees. Um, Moon Knight, probably, definitely the least out of any of, of the Disney Plus shows. And then Ms. Marvel, I was kind of like, I, I didn't really understand why they had to make it all about like saving the world in another dimension and all this stuff. When like the first two episodes where she's just like chilling in high school, failing her driver's test, like they were great. You know, I was like, I, I kind of feel like maybe let's keep these characters smaller for a little longer and then they can gradually get drawn into the bigger stakes stuff, you know? It's not like I don't want to see, like, a self-described brown girl from Jersey City save the world. I just, like, don't want that to be, like, the first thing she does, kind of, you know? Like, I want her to get there. And, like, and so it, it just feels, it, it does feel a little bit like kind of some of the series are, like, a little rushed and whatever, but... um but, like, I love the characters. I, I wasn't that excited to see the Marvels until I saw Ms. Marvel. And now I'm like, that's one of the few things that I'm actually like, yeah, I, I think I want to see that. Because, like, this character is just delightful. 
Um, and so refreshing, you know, it's like a very different character, not just because like she's Pakistani and because she's like a teenage girl, but like because she grew up in that world and really experienced it and just actually is very different as a character um, in in all sorts of ways. Yeah. And I could kind of harping on Paul what you said and going back to what you were saying, Will, I think one of the things that I like most about Ms. Marvel, and I'm, I'm curious about how this kind of aspect is dealt with in comics, every time I see these movies – one of the things that's always in my head with any kind of like fantasy or sci-fi or superhero stuff is like there are certain pieces of information that I think if the world knew, the world would be a somewhat fundamentally different place. You know, if we knew that aliens existed, if we knew that like we were under threat of planetary destruction on the regular. Um, I mean, Who's we are long term very much right now <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, world, yeah. but like, but I mean more in like, oh yeah, like no, it could happen in two days, except for this person did this cool thing, you know. And I just love the like the idea that in this world, yes, everyone knows about these characters so much so that a young girl might totally have one as her idol instead of like a mu- music star, or a, a movie star, or something like that. I loved that so much in. Excuse me. I love that so much in Ms. Marvel and ha- kind of to take on what you were saying, like it's now this idea of like we're getting a second generation. You know, we're getting heroes who were raised in the world that knows about heroes. How is that comparing to the comic? My understanding is like in the comics, by this point, all everyone knows that all these heroes are out there and that all these things are existing. Oh, um, yeah. Did, did you see kind of like – like were you happy kind of seeing that kind of going in that same direction as the comics or is it in the comics so fundamentally different? Talk about that a bit. See if you want to go first. Sure. Um, yeah, I think that that's absolutely like it's a huge part of the core idea of Ms. Marvel, uh, of Kamala Khan, is that she. <sighs> comics love to have derivative characters, right? And so, like, when. Um, when uh, so, for readers uh, who are unfamiliar with the history, um, Carol Danvers uh, went by the. Uh, the superhero name the pseudonym uh, ms marvel for a long 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 time and captain marvel was uh, a succession of male characters and you know uh finally they're like let's just stop like beating around the bush like this is our our strongest longest running character in here this (laughs) this is a gender neutral title let's uh let's give her the elevation that she deserves uh, and, you know, she took up the, the mantle of, of Captain Marvel, and it was a really successful run. That development in the character has stuck ever since. Uh, and so they're like, well, Ms. Marvel isn't being used. Who's the next one? And uh, there was a, a editorial and a creative push. Uh, the Marvel editor, uh, Sana Amanat, was, uh, who is Pakistani herself, uh, was kind of big into uh pushing to to get this character created and so a lot of um marvel turns through a lot of new characters all the time in the comics you'll see somebody pop up and they're like oh we have a new werewolf by night oh we have a new you know this or that and (laughs) will is scowling at the the, what the new werewolf by night was but you know this happens a lot you've got all these like reimaginings recastings reinterpretations uh kamala khan stuck and she's stuck in the comics because she's a great character and she was extremely well executed. And so, uh, I mean, that's really what I was, uh, looking for the most is just how, how do, how do they do it at bringing this concept Mm -hmm. to life? But yeah, Yeah. sorry to, to answer your original question. (laughs) (laughs) She's, she is a derivative character, but they managed to do it in a way that it makes sense that they they called the the deep continuity uh, into focus and 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 used it in a way that reflects their fans. Uh, it's important that uh, Kamala Khan is a superhero fan, uh, not just because it's a way to be lived in and self self referential within the world itself, but it is uh, a very distinct reflection of the people watching the show or reading the comics. Be like, I love Marvel. I love superheroes. I am just like Kamala Khan, who is going through this herself. 
And so in the in the universe of the comics, is being a fan of a superhero, is that kind of like a real sort of cult niche kind of thing? Or is it like Captain Marvel and Iron Man are like, you know, Kesha and Tom Cruise and Megan Thee Stallion or whatever? Like, what level of celebrity do they have in the comics universe? Well, I mean, it's... <sighs> It's framed from the perspective of the title character in the first place. Mm-hmm. So for us to say, well, they're like they're at the level of like Michael Jackson, Brad Pitt, like the the best of the best. But that's because these stories are being told from Michael Jackson's perspective, <laughs> from Brad Pitt's perspective. And so the people around them are only going to be – the civilians around them are either going to be the outspoken haters or the extreme supporters – Generally, yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard to f- you f- accurately say that an- or answer that question yeah. uh, outside of like, well, you know, they're very popular people. <laughs> you raise a really <laughs> Just, good point. It's that you know, like Tony Stark is a celebrity generally, uh, although often they're like, oh, he has a secret identity because that's what superheroes were for so long. Uh, and the public doesn't know he's Iron Man. Whoopsie-doo. Um, and then, uh, like, the Fantastic Four are also just, like, massive celebrities in the comics. But um, in in terms of, uh, uh, like, seeing that, it, how often it is for a character to be a fan of, of the book, uh, of these characters, these celebrity characters extremely rare because like will said most of the comics are from the perspective of the celebrity not from the perspective of somebody who would be in position to be a fan and then there's not a bunch of comics about a bunch of people who aren't fans and aren't haters and are just like walking down trying the street, to go to work doing their thing down, right like yeah. on times square and yeah. <laughs> getting disrupted by the <laughs> fight like, that happens every oh, another invasion i'm gonna have to take the <laughs> i'm gonna have to take the e-train instead yeah yeah <laughs> I, I do love the idea of like you know the the the, the traffic reports just being like up oh, yep and there's a tidal wave over on the river so yeah. you know you can't take the highway 12 you know yeah stick over to 65 and the hope there isn't an earthquake today. <laughs> traffic's backed up on the ed koch queensboro bridge because another doc ock attack <laughs> looks like spider-man's got it delay shouldn't be more yeah. than uh two hours <laughs> There you go. There you go. All right. Well, so let's get into uh, the individual shows. Uh, and we were talking about Ms. Marvel, so let's kind of start with that one. Um, it sounds like, Steve and Will, you were both kind of big fans of the comics. Kind of how did you feel about the character going into the show? Like expectations or hopes or concerns? I was excited because I do really like Ms. Marvel. She, she was in her first run, she was a fangirl first, hero second. And so. If she ever had an, an opportunity to do a team up, she'd just geek out first and be like, "Oh my gosh, Spider Man! I can't believe I got to beat you! I I I loved the fight. Your I, how you solved the problem when you fought Doc Ock that one time. This other and and like um, Agent Coulson got introduced in the comics thanks to Avengers, um, and he it because in the MCU he was like a Captain America fanboy. Uh, he's uh, a similar superhero fanboy in the comics uh-huh. and so very early on miss marvel crosses paths with the agents of shield that they tried to do and sheen colson got into a fight about the accuracy of the type of gun that they used and which enemy used it <laughs> and like that's just the stuff that's so much fun and there's with miss marvel there's so much heart like mm-hmm. i there it's the inner monologues in comics that speak to the soul on the most part and and some of the monologues that she had that are like the story conclusion wrap up of just like i messed up i didn't look at the people around me i didn't realize the support group that i had and my friends this that and the other that you lose that with the bigger like it's we don't we're we're not all blind um, lawyers that have best friends that will always be there for them. We're not all um, ex high school teachers that uh, ended up creating a tech business that fell apart and 
have a revolving door of super committed girlfriends. We don't like we don't have a frame of reference for all this, but we've all been in high school and we've all had that circle of friends that had has had to prove to us and remind us that we have a circle of support around us. And Miss Marvel does that so well in the comics. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to hear more on that, but I just need to interject with, as you were talking, I got this wonderful image. I don't know if it ever happened in comics. It probably shouldn't ever happen on screen, but like, I just want the moment where Agent Coulson finally finds someone who cares about his cards, the, the, the cards he has, and like like watching yes. Kamala like geek out with him about they're awesome. So yeah, yes. uh, I don't think that I don't think that has happened. There, yeah, I. God, but that I, is I'm trying not the, to the tangent of, on that's random the type of interaction. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. So what I was nervous about or concerned about going into Miss Marvel is. Uh, in the comics, you can do a Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers fangirl much more easily because there's decades worth of stories that you can mm-hmm. be inspired by for mm-hmm. this character. In the MCU, she's had one movie. Yeah. She showed up in the 90s and disappeared for 30 years and then came back and fought at um, in Endgame where there's no civilians because it's a giant <laughs> battlefield. And then... I'm led to believe that she goes back off world to go and yeah. you know help save other planets. I didn't feel like you could organically have a Kamala Khan that fangirls on Carol Danvers when I don't feel like she's spent much time on Earth to be that inspiration. Mm. So like it I I I appreciate that they kept the fangirl for Carol Danvers. I just don't think Carol has earned that level of fangirl in the MCU. That's like fair. most of most of what she did was like secret, right? Everything in the yeah. 90s yeah. nobody knows about. And like if right, that had right. been some huge public thing like the Battle of New York or whatever, then it 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 makes more sense that people actually saw, right? But mm-hmm. somehow there has to be information that has gotten out about, you know, right. the 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 big showdown with Thanos that like they don't really explain how, but like, like- Hey, she single-handedly destroyed the huge ship. I think that alone would, you know, right, that's right. But who saw? It? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, for me, I was really excited for for Kamala Khan in the MCU, just on the strength of uh, what an incredible character she she is. I, I'm on record, I think, on this pod and on our own for saying that she's the best character that Marvel has created since Wolverine, uh, or thereabouts, like. You know, and that's 40 some, you know, 40 years later or something like that. Like a really just fantastically deep, well drawn character. Uh, and, you know, it, the, the, the length of time for that is really important too. She, she's the contemporary Spider Man in a lot of ways. Like she has an origin and that, and sort of like a, a, a standpoint that, makes sense for uh, contemporary young people in a way that, yeah, I mean, it still works for Spider-Man. It's a primordial myth, but like you, you, you fudge it a little bit or you change it, you update it for the times. Um, Kamala Khan is absolutely, you know, a character of contemporary times. And uh, I was, I was really excited to, to see her sort of like fast tracked uh, to an adaptation based on just the incredible strength of character. Mm-hmm. One thing I saw in the show that I'm curious about is, you know, until now, for the most part, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were definitely, like, mostly considered heroic. Obviously, they, they became Hydra and all everything went bad with that. But, like, there's generally been this sense of the sort of institutions that are being built to support the superheroes are somewhat friendly. Um... And with damage control, we've gotten in a couple of things now, but I think it really came out here where damage control really winds up being the main uh, antagonist, at least in the final episode, and because the whole world plot is the little... <laughs> We're just going to leave that be. Yeah. But damage yeah. control is one of the main antagonists. And I really liked that because it felt like a first step towards the more kind of x men world, which, <laughs> as I think about it, is probably not all coincidental, where... 
like being a superhero doesn't just mean that you're like a celebrity, but it could mean that you're hunted. It could mean that you're a target, all this kind of stuff. Is that something that's also very true from the comics? Well, damage control is very different in the comics. Yeah. Extreme. They're the damage control is the superhero cleanup crew, much like uh, what um, what Adrian Toomes' company was in Homecoming. Yep. That I was, was about damage to call him control. Birdman. <laughs> <I know. Yeah. laughs> when you were searching for the word, I was like Birdman. Wait, that's not it. Batman. No, that's damage Vulture? control in the comics. Yeah. And so to introduce them as this kind of controlling antagonist because Shield doesn't exist. I get it. Mm-hmm. It's it's an easy poll and it's an easy group name to shift the meaning of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, are there um, organizations that work to be anti the hero or or group that we are following? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it damage control? No. <laughs> and they exist that by the dozens in the comics. If there isn't one at the present moment, they'll make one up. Mm-hmm. There's, you yeah, know, you right. can just pull out of a grab bag of shady government agencies for right. literally any government in the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this uh, is true in reality commonly, also, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually, it's uh, it's saved for groups like so mm-hmm. the group that's going or who antagonists for like the avengers or the x-men will have um the government specifically or uh like the department of one or friends against humanity like mm-hmm. uh friends of humanity i mean um <laughs> but for <laughs> those the quakers title, really hate humans <laughs> <laughs> for the single for the single characters you don't typically see the same bad guy group show up often with the exception of Roxxon against Thor. But that's because Roxxon likes to tap into other realities and other realms for their energy. So They're also a, a corporation, not a government agency, but yeah. Also that. I mean, what's the Cuz there's a difference? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Publicly there is. <laughs> right. Do you feel at all like they kind of spent the like the whole shield Hydra arc that they kind of like spent that early. And then now Mm. in the MCU, now they're like, Oh, we'll use sword. We'll use damage control. Like, like they're kind of, yeah, sort of trying to replace them. But the, the shield Hydra arc, you know, happens every like six months in in the comic. I mean, (laughs) slightly exaggerating, but like it's, it, it shield falls and gets rubber banded back over and over and over again mm-hmm. in the comics. It's it's so if they're really the thing that's more remarkable to me is that they're trying to make this stick. <laughs> right. Which is funny because they even made a TV show in which right. shield was completely rebuilt. Yeah. yeah. But that's not quite in the same continuity. So yeah. Or something. Yeah, um, I do think I do think. Uh, doing the whole Hydra reveal and tearing down Shield, while it made for an amazing Winter Soldier movie, yeah, I think yeah. it was kind of premature in terms of like uh, the age of the MCU and where they wanted to go with it. Well, right. but they had no idea how long it was going to last, too. So. A- absolutely, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's like they yeah. they want to do all of the big stories because yeah. that Hydra reveal for Shield uh, is. I even talked about it. I talked about it on my Twitch literally last night. But just like it's one of my favorite storylines from yeah. Hickman that he just mm-hmm. does these kinds of reveals and actually makes it work within the continuity of the established universe. So, but yeah, can I? I don't mean to to if we. Uh, I don't mean to to do a hard change of subject here. But uh, no, can, can we change? Can we talk a little bit about the the changes uh, the the differences between. Uh, the comics and uh, and the TV show in in Ms. Yeah, Marvel because I feel like that's a really good jumping on point to like some of the things that worked and and kind of poking at some of the things that were different mm-hmm. in in the in the show and why they were different right so I mean the most obvious changes are the powers and the origins right um in in the comics uh, Kamala Khan is not connected to clandestine at all um she's also and i don't know how much we want to talk about the spoilers of the absolute last post-credit scene um 
I, I think if you're listening it's to fair, this, it's fair game at this point. It's been a while. You've seen all of the yeah, Marvel yeah, yeah. and you've seen all of Moon Okay, so she's revealed to be a, a mutant at the end, basically. Uh, in the comics, she's an inhuman. Um, she's an inhuman because Marvel didn't own the film rights to X-Men. And so they went through these giant, ship, you know, like uh, giant backflips and somersaults in order to make the Inhumans the new X-Men for a while because they didn't want to introduce new X-Men characters that they wouldn't own movie rights to. So Kamala Khan like feels pretty straightforward as a mutant but is not. Um, so it it makes sense to me that you know this feels correct but the change in the powers I'm mostly okay with it. I think the only problem so she has shape-changing powers um, and like you know, uh, a lot of the, it, it really plays to the strength of the art of uh, the first artist on Ms. Marvel, Adrian Alfona, uh, who really does sort of like wispy, unreal um, geometry really well. And so she has these like sort of awkward movements of like gangly spindle arms and like big punchy fists and, you know, like, if she needs to get somewhere quickly, she'll just grow really long legs and walk, right? And so it kind of plays on this aspect of puberty um, in the coming-of-age tale where it's like, oh, your body's all weird, you don't know what's going on, and you're not totally in control. So that is not... That's kind of a... um, I could see that being something that she would be stuck with after long after the metaphor is uh, viable, but it is it is a difference and it, it's there it had some metaphorical weight it's not just fan nitpicking to say hey it's different and i don't like different so i really appreciate the way you explain that because yeah i had always the only people who i had heard complaining about the change in powers it did seem like what i was hearing was more the fan nitpicking like yeah. they wanted to be exactly the same and my understanding is that a big part of it was because, like, the incredible artistic effects you're talking about on page, mm-hmm. like, they just couldn't find a good way to do it on screen. And so they yeah. did it this way. Um, and hopefully they figured out by Fantastic Four, but that's a whole <laughs> other story. Um, but, but I do really like what you're saying there about in terms – because, I mean, I think, I think one of the reasons why Kamala is so powerful is because she is so representative mm-hmm. both of very specific communities that have never been really represented on screen – Pakistani, Muslim, brown, you know, all the different things, mm-hmm. all the different things. Yes. Uh, and we've had people of color to be sure, but just, you know, more is always good. And young girl, our uh, teenage girl. But also, like you said, but also as Will was saying, like she also is kind of, we've all been in high school, even if we haven't yes. been like that. And we've all probably gone through some level of puberty and our body doing things we don't quite understand and all that stuff. And yeah, I, I love the idea that that superpower wasn't just like, oh, but it looks cool. But it was, no, it was a, it was one more metaphor about her character and what she stood for. Mm-hmm. Uh, one parallel to the comics that I feel like was more of an homage than anything else. But so in her origin, um, issues she she goes through terragenesis and she didn't know she was an inhuman there's a terragenesis is there's a a, a crystal becomes a mist that you breathe it in and you get your powers if they were going to come at all and you go through like a crystallist right you get like covered in if you if you watched agents of shield you know terragenesis but basically as an inhuman you get exposed to terragen crystals and it catalyzes your uh, inhuman power so you go into a crystal uh, crystalline pod and then you change shape or your powers grow or whatever and then you come out and your powers are there so she has these shape-shifting powers and when she is in her pod the only thing she's thinking about this entire time is like what would like what would carol danvers do how would she get out of this i need to go and like check in with my family i need to tell my mom and dad that i'm okay what would what would miss marvel what would captain marvel do in this in this moment and then when she finally breaks out she's in the form of captain marvel because that's all she's Mm -hmm. thinking about and then so she sees her reflection she's like holy crap what is happening and then (laughs) And then she figures out that's like, oh, I have these shape-shifting powers, and she turns back into Kamala. And so the end credit scene, or one of the end post-credit scenes of the first season, when 
she gets shunted into her uh, closet and comes out, and it's uh, it's Brie Larson, Carol Danvers in the MCU. I really felt that was kind of an homage to that, but then they have the whole like, oh, body switching, body, yeah, yeah, and that's an Marvel's thing. That's that's an homage <laughs> to <laughs> um, the 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 first Captain Marvel. Uh, uh, the Cree soldier Marvel, go figure. That's a name. Uh, had a uh, a body switching thing going on with uh, mm-hmm. Rick Jones, who is the most anonymous character to somehow not appear in the MCU yet. <laughs> I can't believe it. he's not. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So as far as commonalities between the two, I I really liked that kind of throw in scene mm-hmm. you have this origin you have kamala's origin story in the mcu you have kamala's origin story in the comics and while you can't do everything one-to-one it was nice to see that parallel mm-hmm. i think when it comes to things that are different from whatever the source material is to whatever the you know new media is like there's always going to be something that's different in some way right yeah. and like different people are going to care for different reasons or not care. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I kind of like, I think it's important to like on some level, just accept like, yeah, it's, it's okay to not like something just because it's different because whatever it was that you liked before you liked it the way it was, you know, it's like, I liked it that way. That's it. You know, but then if that's how you're going to be, like, you have to understand you're probably going to be disappointed by everything because everything's <laughs> going to be somewhat different, right? And that's like, that's okay. That's fine. But that's just how it's going to be, right? But like how I, I really like how you explained how there's like there's like two main things that were changed, right? Like she was originally an inhuman, but then she's a mutant now and like her powers are different. And well, there was more long- than those two things changed. I, I'm only getting uh, started. Well, there's only two that I wrote <laughs> down. <laughs> We'll get to the longer <laughs> list, but like yeah. how one of those things, like the fact that she's a mutant instead of an inhuman, it's like, but she was like originally probably supposed to be a mutant. She was just an inhuman because of rights nonsense, right? Yeah. So it's like that feels like very in line with how you think about the character, right? How that's like very organic and fits with the character in a way that like, right. like they basically tried to make the Inhumans, the X-Men on screen as well. And then they're like, Oh, never mind, We got the rights back. Forget the Inhumans. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's other reasons they forgot the Inhumans. Yeah. Right. <laughs> also, they got kind of bucked up. Um, but you know, that on the other hand, like the, you know, the, the thing with the, the shape shifting and how that really does, fit with her character and her character's age and everything. Um, and how, how, you know, I mean, there's, there's reasons that seem more sensible. It's like, Oh yeah. When you explain it, I understand why you care. You know, it's like that, that makes sense. Um, it, it does feel like it loses something there. Right. But like, that doesn't mean that like the new thing has to be bad or worse. It's just like, right. yeah, it loses something that it has, but like there can yeah, be, it's exactly. Just, yeah. Yeah. yeah you can have two different things honestly. that are both good, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, so I want to make sure we get time to talk about Moon Knight, but uh, Steve, I know you have one or two more things to to, to quick say on uh, Ms. Marvel. Yeah, totally. Um, I I think one of the things that was different in in the show that didn't work was, and and we kind of danced around this before, but um, going straight to a season long plot, um, mm. you know, and it it didn't work that it was a save the world plot, but it also didn't work that it, you know. In, in the comics, we get a lot of Monster of the Week issues to start, and she gets to, you know, spend one or two issues tackling some discreet threat, usually to her neighborhood, and it you get to see her in a lot of different situations, and you get to explore her character in a lot of different ways because it's tested by different things, uh, rather than just having this sort of, like, single overarching plot for the whole season um, that just really... Uh, it kind of locks her in place. She can only like, you know, come to one like grand realization by the end of it. Um, so that was, I think, uh, a, a loss and a miss from, from the adaptation. Um, as for things that changed the same, that stayed the same and they absolutely nailed it. Um, every single character, the casting was incredible. Um, Iman Vellani as Kamala was unbelievable. Um, the, Every single side character, they absolutely nailed. 
uh, and, you know, these were some of the things I was most excited about, loved in the comics. Uh, her parents, her brother, his wife, Nakia, Bruno, Zoe, all these characters are just absolute, you know, uh, all-timers in the comics, and they're they're so good on screen. They just, they nailed all of it. Nice. Yeah, I yeah, was I actually impressed like- with how, how, like, accurately they portrayed the characters there was so little changed mm-hmm. in her supporting cast but they screen. Were, but they weren't like limited or nailed down by having to stay the same i felt like every right. every one of those actors just absolutely embodied the character it it was really remarkable and i just a quick spe- specific shout out i love that kamala has a family a loving and supportive family. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to yeah. like, you know, so many superheroes. It's like, oh, they're an orphan for reasons that we, you know, so that we can introduce some some tragic backstory or weird subplot with a parent coming back later. Um, no, she has a loving and supportive family. She's got a, a community and a cast of characters around her, and it's it's fantastic. Another, yeah, thought- th- yeah sorry. To quick on that, I thought the scenes in the mosque, especially, yes. really kind of drove home. Not only does she have a family, but she has a community, and the fact that she she has a community that is basically feared and distrusted and seen with all kind of prejudice and hate by so much of the rest of the community, but they all rally together. I mean, what's a better metaphor for the X Men? You know, and <laughs> I, I think that there's a really kind of wonderful <laughs> thing going on there. Uh, your totally last thing, agree. and then let's yeah, on to- um, it's this is a way that the the um the uh, the show kind of expanded uh, they they were able to bring sort of some comic book elements in with the random like interstitial animations kind of that show up in the real world you see like drawings doodles uh you know little things that are like animated or or show up just on screen i thought that was incredibly well done a really fantastic stylistic element that uh felt true to its origin as a comic but also true to the story itself and i I thought that was really incredible awesome yeah awesome all right so let's talk about moon knight uh will i know you were a huge fan of the comic and you had a lot of feelings going into it um in again in terms of like the the what you loved about the character what was you really looking forward to to seeing on screen I okay. So one thing I was looking forward to seeing that I didn't get to see was mm-hmm. a conversation between Jake, Stephen, and Mark. Mm. Like, um, in 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 the version of Moon Knight that I wrote in my head before the show came out, uh, all three personalities. Always a good idea. You'll never be disappointed. That <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> all three identities were. Um, present and Mm. known and so like in in my head which we kind of got moon knight was already an established thing it's just now we get a um a lens on him and so uh mark steven and jake working in tandem together to be the best moon knight that they can be um that's where i was i want i wanted to see on a mindscape, the three of them talking together or use some, I mean, you've got Oscar Isaac. So use like two different mirrors and show just insane reflections and do, and have them going back and forth. And that would be insane and wild and awesome, but that's fine. I, I didn't get that, but I, that's, I'm not upset about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so other things that I was really looking forward to is, I mean, it is incredibly easy to, um, compare Moon Knight to Batman on 85 different levels. And um, I I'm a Marvel guy, but I do like Batman. And so to have a Marvel Batman, it just makes me excited. And so to have him come from the comics, which is a um, smaller fan base medium for me to talk about, uh, now, uh, now in the MCU, where you know, now millions of people have seen it. It just gives me more opportunities to fanboy about Moon Knight with other people that now have a frame of reference for who Moon Knight is. 
instead of me just saying, oh, he's Marvel Batman now. But now people know, oh, Moon Knight. Yeah, I know that guy. He was he was kind of weird in the MCU show. And I'm like, yes, I know. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so it's just I'm just excited that more people know who Moon Knight is now. Uh, art, art in the suit. Just uh, the the use of dark and light is one of my favorite things mm-hmm. about Moon Knight. And I was just really excited to hopefully see some really great visuals. That was yeah. th- the main thing for me. Did you feel like you got those? No, <laughs> but I love the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted this one thing. I got it's this true. other thing. That, it's, it's no, cool. it's a good point. There's not a lot of darkness. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes at night, but not a lot of darkness and shadows mm. yeah. used to make Moon Knight stand out within the shadow. Yeah, and that's it's, like, it's, that's his whole thing. It, it's like he wears and, white. And I can see how that's again the metaphors. Like I can see how that's such an. I can see how like the metaphor is is really powerful there. Not only does it look beautiful on on page, but so much of his character is about moral grayness and like different parts of him, you know, having different ideas of what is black and white morality and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I can see how that that really that really hits hard for for what his character is going for. Well, and like the moon is literally this bright white thing in this dark night, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Right? He's not. He's not night night. He's right. moon night. <laughs> yeah, he's not the dark night. He's moon night. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm, mm, mm. Um, I really liked the portrayal of Konshu. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. He's. He honestly was pretty similar to how he acts in the comics. In terms of just like he shows up and he's just like, "Hey, what are you doing? Why, why are you messing up? Let me, let me give you some help." <laughs> um, there were a metric ton of um, complaints about the whole like meeting at the Ineed, and um, he's like, "Our our argument has to be you know solid," and then he takes over Mark as his first time being in this room and completely screws up and tries to call out Emin and it doesn't work, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. That was brand new. Um, mm. That's not in the comics. Um, as far as other um, members of the Ennead that we come across, we, ah, gosh, we've only like ever seen an avatar for like Raw, and that's pretty mm. much it. Um, and so... I had no idea what was going to happen going into that room, but it was really fun to watch. Um, I want—I honestly wanted more of that because uh, I get really excited when gods talk about mortal dilemmas. <laughs> uh, just because there's so that like they have a different perspective on uh, what we're going through, uh, just as we we as adults have different perspectives on what children are going through. I imagine the exact same perspective for the gods on what the short lifespan of a human is going through. So um, I wanted well, more from that scene. Humans I didn't really don't view, it. Hopefully <laughs> most humans don't view children's lives as quite as expendable as most of the guys. No, <laughs> but the problems are minuscule. Like yeah. <laughs> ch- children complain about not getting their nap. And while I complain about that too, I that's I have much bigger things to complain about. Right, right. <laughs> I, I understand that. So in, in just a very brief comparison with like, Ms. Marvel, what you were saying, Steve, about kind of I, like I would have loved that kind of like monster of the week, like smaller scale kind of stuff to, you know, build the character and then get a second season maybe where there's some larger stakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Here in, in Moon Knight, we also got these like really big stakes for however brief they really were, you know, in play. Um, but, you know, we we got the Mark and Steven conversations, right? Yes. Did did you feel like that was kind of the same idea as like the two of them and Jake, but then like Jake only shows up at the end. Like to me, that feels like a fairly well measured, let's not try and introduce everything about this character in season one. And hopefully we get yeah. a season two or some, some movie or whatever, where we can then kind of go deeper and, you know, because it, it feels like there's so much depth there that trying to, you know, you don't need to kind of, like, spill it all out in one season. I agree with that. And yeah, also, it, it is part of sort of the history of, of Moon Knight in comics that more of his identities are, um, are revealed and portrayed and added <laughs> as decades go on mm, right. and different <laughs> creators and different runs. Like, for example, the, um, 
the the um you know the the moon knight with the business suit um mr. concept knight, mr knight mr knight that is uh actually a, a separate identity um right in in the comics whereas it, it's not you know just steven's version of the moon knight suit right what well, i thought and and it wasn't thought... introduced uh, until the 2010s whereas right, the character like goes 30... back to the 70s yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's also huge because we were talking before about how things are going to get updated. And one of the things I was thinking is that there's two of the biggest reasons often are just like page to screen is going to be a big change. But also when something's created 30, 40, 50 years ago and now it's being created again today, we have different understandings of things. And I think in many ways Moon Knight is one of the best of those because the 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 actual mental condition that he is dealing with, what we now know as um, – disassociative identity disorder like we didn't even have that name when the character was created our, our understanding <laughs> of it has changed so dramatically and also i don't know how much the like clearly today they did a lot of research they consulted with people i don't know if they were consulting with lots of them <laughs> when they wrote this character in the 70s i think they were taking the kind of pop notion idea of it and i thought the way that they did it today uh, or i thought the way they did it in this show of that we, the audience, learn along with the character what's going on in terms of these different identities. Um, and so therefore, like, yeah, like I agree, watching a conversation with Jake would be great for a season two or later. But I thought having it like the whole time we have this sense that there might be a third identity because things don't quite line up. But then only at the very end do we get to realize that Jake is actually there. And in some ways, that's kind of the one time where we really break it because we don't Mark uh, um, Will, I think, doesn't know that yet. Uh, to me, it was just such a brilliant way of both taking you inside the character's head and helping you understand the perspectives and the confusion, but also because he's a fundamentally unreliable narrator, it also meant that there wasn't these times where you're like, wait, but this all doesn't line up. Right. Because like, I don't really know what Conchu was actually like, because all mm-hmm. I know is what... This mm-hmm. system, which mm-hmm. is the kind of way you 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 uh, talk about a like the the Moon Knight system of identities, <laughs> like what they know about Kanchu. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also say I'm I'm happy and surprised at how accurately they, or how, um, how much they kept of his origin. Um, mm. It's very similar to the comics, with the exception of Layla's a brand new character. There's Marlene is the name of the love interest from the comics. Not a big deal, um, but uh, yeah, with Conchu just like kind of choosing Mark as his pet avatar is um, uh, I, that relationship. And keeping that going from the comics was a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad there wasn't like a like buddy like hey Konshu, hey Mark, how you doing? Like <laughs> there there's there's this potential to do a really big conflict of ideals between the two. Even they had that already in, in the show, but like to the point where like Mark and Steve completely reject uh Konshu, and then for Jake to come in and be the number one agent like mm. oh that's that's going to be so potentially fun I can't wait mm-hmm. uh it yeah I'm very happily surprised at how they did the whole three identities thing and I want to know what Jake's suit looks like because there is a third Moon Knight look um, well, really, there's a third and a fourth that's traditionally used these days, <laughs> and I want to know if Jake has one of those, and and mm-hmm. just give give me more Moon Knight. <laughs> but also make the suit pop just pure white on screen. No, 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 no grayish suits, even in shadows, just unnatural yeah. fluorescence. Well, yeah, the Mister Knight look. It, yeah. uh, I would just give me one scene of a completely dark alleyway, and Mister Knight walking up in just, just a glowing white ambiance behind him. Oh, just give yeah. it to me, please. So, so the comparisons with Batman don't really include the like hide in the shadows creature. Of no, no. The, the, there's a there's a line from uh, the 
Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey run in tw- that started in 2014, where it's the first introduction of Mr. Knight. And they're saying, like, he's he's going out fighting crime in the middle of the night with a white suit. But everybody, why? Everybody can see him coming. <laughs> because he's freaking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and his whole thing is just like, I want them to see me coming. Right, Whereas, yeah. Batman is like, I want to cast a shadow on him. It's like, no, no, don't don't let your shadow do the talking. How about it's, you do the talking? But it's different ways of being feared. It's like being exactly. feared yeah. by not being seen versus being feared yeah. by being seen. He carves crescent moons on people's forehead. Ugh. So, is there a name for what I can only refer to as the moonerang? The like the the thing that he throws that looks an awful lot like a batarang. I don't know, man. Like call him. <laughs> I don't know crescent discs or something. All right, they're they're moonerangs now. From yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> down for moonerangs. Works for me. <laughs> what else about the um the character kind of really struck you, or or about the show that you really liked or didn't like? And, and again, in terms of like less like the costume stuff, but more just in terms of like the character and what they stand for and kind of what what the, the what the stories are representing and and all that. Uh, I I thought that um, Oscar Isaac just absolutely killed it. He just owned every single second that he was on screen and was unbelievably compelling. I thought Steven was a very reimagined character from the comics, but was Mm -hmm. uh, extremely fantastic, was exactly what the series needed and was a a great, uh, great character. Um, So that's, that's one of the things that really stood out to me that I enjoyed a lot. So what is he like in the comics? Because I thought the character of Steven as kind of the first POV character we really get, was just utterly brilliant. I'm curious, what is he like in the in the comics? Stephen Grant is the money winner, the breadwinner of the three, and he is basically like your Dick Wolf. He's a he's a soap opera like writer and producer, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he has told stories. He's written shows about that are based on like the exploits of Moon Knight. <laughs> Right. Uh, but he's the he's the money winner of the three. Mark okay. is the killer. Steven's the money, and Jake Lockley is the intelligence gatherer. Is Mark still the original identity in yes. the in the comics? Because mm-hmm. I did think the it's funny you're talking before about how every character in Marvel in superheroes in general often seems to be an orphan. <laughs> I thought having his character specifically not be an orphan, but the Oh, that was, was gut. And you wit- knew it was coming the whole series, and you're yeah. still just like, oh my god. The way he is estranged from his, the way that his mother is dead, the yeah. the brother is dead, and 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 he's estranged from his father, and all of that, it it is seems so essential to the character instead mm-hmm. of it just being, mm-hmm. let's just write off a, a terrible accident because that's a tragic backstory. We're done. Totally. I, I agree with that. I would like to just kind of like throw in for like most of the other superheroes where I feel <laughs> like that often is an integral part of the character. It's mm. just that it's the same integral part of so many characters. <laughs> yeah. You know, that like when you when you get like Ms. Marvel, it's nice to like be like, okay, oh, and and oh, she has two parents and and they know each other and still live together and huh. Oh, this can be a thing, you know. I guess that's a better way to put what I, what, I, what I meant is yeah it's not the same paint by numbers that it all that it is for everybody else it's a, it, it's distinctly different in the way his character is different. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. I mean it's it's this it's the same step different. It's not it's not just another iteration. It's like a different version of that type of thing. Right. Kind of. Is there anything else on Moon Knight? Folks want to say? I I just want more Moon Knight. I. <laughs> I didn't like the I didn't like the whole sky changing conchu thing. That was kind of weird. I I want I want more um, ground level Moon Knight yeah. stuff. For me, Moon Knight just earned the benefit of the doubt with just the Oscar Isaac's performance and just kind of the base level. Like I'm here for this character. I enjoy the time on screen and just like how the series unfolds i don't really care the plot or the mythology or anything else just give yeah give me more moon knight uh mm-hmm. what you're doing at a very base level works and i don't uh, i don't really care what the story is <laughs> very That's casually fair. they introduce the idea of other um gods and other um afterlives 
and mm. I loved that. And that mm-hmm. it made That's true. It made scenes like the the pantheon of the gods in, in Love and Thunder um, smoother, I guess. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, because traditionally we've only had the Norse mythology, but there's so many other mythologies you can pull from. And to introduce Moon Knight, and then at the end of God and Thunder, they have Hercules. But like uh, to introduce Moon Knight, you have and and for um, the hippo lady to just be like, oh yeah, there's other afterlives, um, mm-hmm. and you know you can go and visit them if you want. Just so casually exponentially expanded the mm. ethereal verse of the MCU was so exciting for me because I just, I th- that's the stuff that I really, that just gets me going is like the, the big nice. syncretic mythology. Pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll wrap up Moon Knight there. I'll just also say that um, for anyone who wants to hear more of myself, Will, and Paul's thoughts, we did episode by episode coverage on Moon Knight. I think and Steve, Steve was, were you on a couple of those? Yeah, I don't one. Was, one. Okay. Was we one talked one. about vegetarian. <laughs> Thank you for remembering. And and its <laughs> depiction in it's on screen. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and so I was just supposed to you for, like, as talking about all this. Are there any particular comics you'd recommend, either of these two characters or just other characters that have kind of similar stories or other fun tie-ins? Steve, you want to go first? Well, I will absolutely limit myself to these two characters or else I'll be here all day. Uh, yeah. For Moon Knight, <laughs> um, I was doing a little bit of background reading before we hopped on this pod. And uh, the original Moon Knight run of uh, of Doug Moench and Bill Sienkiewicz, um, starting in 1980, is a great... Uh, you get to watch one of my favorite artists of all time, Bill Sienkiewicz, go from a pretty straightforward comics artist to like an all-timer incredible uh moon knight number 26 from that volume one uh is he's trying to express rhythm and jazz through art through comics art and it's Hmm. incredible uh and also just different styles and modes of an abused child through their sketches telling their story uh and then um the 2014 run moon knight number one uh, Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey, uh, just also absolute tour de force for art. Uh, just awesome. light and shadow, darkness, uh, pure whiteness for Moon Knight. Uh, yeah, I love Moon Knight art. For Ms. Marvel, uh, read the entire run <laughs> of G. Willow <laughs> Wilson uh, because it's all incredible. I appreciate that you said you had a pause, but you did name a particular writer. It wasn't just oh, yeah. read every Ms. Marvel comic ever. The, well, she was only introduced like, you know, less than 10 years ago. So it's not that much. <laughs> but yes, read, read the entire G. Willow Wilson run. It's about 50 issues. And it's it's just it tells the full story. And it's so good. Well, um, strictly to pull other examples i guess um jed mckay's run on moon knight was the current run on moon knight and it is so much fun it is beautiful and uh it expands on moon knight um in ways that i had never personally considered and so i'm i i love it i just reviewed it um on our last episode of our pod and it's so much fun um so check out that run um for miss marvel to see the kind of leader that she wants to be, mm. uh, you can check out Champions, um, where uh, basically Ms. Marvel is upset in reaction to another civil war between the superheroes um, fighting each other instead of fighting the bad guys. Ms. Marvel and other young uh, heroes decide that they can do better and they can be uh, the inspirational heroes that. They, that their mentors should be. And so uh, if you want to see that side of a leadership quality of Ms. Of Ms. Marvel, of Kamala, uh, check out Champions. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, thank you all so much for being a part of this. Um, uh, obviously, for folks who want to hear more of you, hype is my superpower, seems like the podcast. But mm-hmm. uh, if one of both of you want to just say a moment or two about what exactly that is. Oh, it's it's it's. You're a pointing at each other. Doesn't make good radio. <laughs> 
Uh, it's a podcast where we talk about the things that we are hyped on, namely comics. Um, and specifically, uh, we we get a, a very obnoxiously completionist uh, streak for both of us. So Will reads every <laughs> single trade paperback of mainstream Marvel comic continuity that comes out. I decided once upon a time in a, a, a decision I regret a lot <laughs> that I would read every X-Men comic ever print, uh, published and uh, I'm in 1999 right now, and it's real bad. But it's fun to talk about. Uh, and we're also reading also... Sandman right now, which is one oh, of yeah, my favorite. Yeah. It, it, that's really giving me life, keeping me afloat. Um, Neil Gaiman, Sandman, yes. Sorry, You're reading well, every, every mutant comic, not just X-Men. Like yeah. Excalibur. Oh, yeah, all of the, uh, all Factor, the spinoffs, of course. All of that course. stuff. I hate myself that much. It's true. <laughs> well, I'm glad you suffer through it so that we don't have to. Because one, one of the best things they do on their podcast is they summarize the episode enough or the issues enough that I feel like I have. I could read it if I feel inclined, but I don't have. I've now learned it, what I need to about it. It feels like you read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could pass an English test about it. probably. <laughs> yeah. Not be plus work, but I could like get it, get a sneak in there with a C. Uh, and Paul, people, so yeah, so hype is my superpower. And then for either of you, are there Twitter, uh, Twitch, other things you want to promote? Um, I've got a Twitch. It's Silver Dreamer, Silver with a Y. Um, on Sundays we read comics on stream, which I think is against TOS, but I'm small enough that nobody knows about me. Um, <laughs> also, the Y is where you think. It is where you think, and then also, <laughs> uh, um, uh, I build, I build Lego, I li- I build model kits, so like Legos, Gundam, book nooks, whatever random thing my wife buys that she wants me to put together. Um, I do that during the week, and we read comics on Sundays. Uh, I also uh, make, I, I write comics and self-publish them. Uh, I have a series called The Pros, and if you look hard enough, you might even be able to buy it. Awesome, awesome. And uh, Mr. Happy? Yeah, uh, I'm Zen Madman on Twitch and Twitter. And I just want to use this moment to give a shout out to people who didn't go to high school. Because not everyone <laughs> had that experience. True. Some people oh, were homeschooled. True. Some You're people maybe wrong. didn't have the economic opportunity. Some people made the choice not to go. So I just, I just want to recognize you. That's all. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I appreciate that greatly. So this podcast is a The Ethical Panda podcast. That's me, The Ethical Panda. If you go to theethicalpanda.com, you'll find all the superhero ethics episodes as well as all of Star Wars Universe uh, podcast episodes. We're right now doing episode-by-episode episode coverage of Andor. Uh, the show has not upset Paul yet. We're still fingers crossed that we can get to the end of the season, but we're, we're going pretty well. Had some great discussions there, had some great guests. And, of course, if you look back on superhero ethics stuff, you'll find other episodes that both Will and Steve, either together or separately, have been guests on, had great conversations with. So please check all that out. And, of course, on that website, most importantly, you'll find a way to give us feedback. What did you love about these characters? What did you not like? Or what do you think were interesting questions raised by the comics that the, the shows covered differently or not at all or, or vice versa? All the contact information is on there. Uh, you can also find my TikTok, Twitter, all that kind of good stuff. So I'm going to have myself, all the good people out here, all the people who both did and did not go to high school, and all the people who are just doing out their people in their, their best day. And uh, anyone else I can think of because my mind is blank. <laughs> on behalf of all of you, you're all fighting your own revolution. Have a good day. Ha <laughs> ha.